0: This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content.
1: I regret to inform you, you're on Chapel Probation, a podcast that takes a critical look at evangelical colleges and universities and all kinds of things. But today, we have a special conversation between two authors. And I'm your host, Scott Okamoto. Greetings, reprobates. So this week, I'm currently basking in the sunshine of Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Probably eating, snorkeling, relaxing with some friends, other things. So I figured this would be a good time to post this conversation that I had with Joe Lumen Uh, When I went to New York for Gail and Nate's wedding... I contacted Jo to see if she wanted to hang and do a conversation between two authors, you know, that kind of thing. And she agreed. And so we went to dinner, went to a jazz club, and then we parked ourselves in Central Park, just a few hundred feet from, like, one of Trump's shitty buildings. Um, And we had this conversation, sitting on on a park bench under these terrible lights, people walking by. You can hear the traffic and honking and sirens. So, do I sound calm? Because I'm trying. Joe was one of the first people in the deconstruction world that I followed on Twitter. And then getting to meet her and get to know her has been pretty amazing. Now, her work is not for the faint of heart, she speaks her mind with conviction and fury and sensitivity and insight, but this angers a lot of small-minded conservatives. And last year, things got so bad. Uh, She was doxxed and she had to pull her kids out of their school for their safety. They were getting death threats. And she even had to move across the country with her family. And things have been rough for her as she has had to start life over in a new place. But Joe is writing a book for none other than St. Martin's Press. And despite all the trauma and bad breaks of the past year plus, she got off that subway with perfect hair, a radiant smile, and lots of stories to tell. So I had my phone and a little trusty microphone that usually works great when it's sitting on a table. But because we were sitting on a park bench, uh, the video didn't turn out great. (laughs) Joe looks fine. I I look like a bleached, bloated Buddha man um, more than normal. And the audio gets a little dodgy in the middle um, when the mic slipped between my legs. (laughs) So, you know, excellent recording conditions. I'll try and post some of the clips of video because Joe has some amazing things to say uh, of uh, of her, video of her, not me. But other than that, it was a lovely conversation between two people, two writers, trying to navigate this wild, wide world, post-Christian faith. Okay, so welcome to. Um, what are we calling this? A, a discussion with two au- <laughs> two authors. This is very we serious.
2: A, we actually had a really good we like, had, name we had for it, but ideas. I don't remember we,
1: it now. We, um, oh, well. It's fine. So, this is, as you probably already know, this is Joe Lumen, who is a badass writer and is, is, is written a book to be published in 2024. Right. Right. So, we're going to talk about our books and maybe ask each other some questions as long as for as long as i can hold this phone up yeah Yeah. so we are right now in central park
2: as you can hear
1: yeah you can uh there's buildings and uh we are under i think the brightest light in central park
2: seriously so if we're squinting (laughs) that's why it's, it's
1: like a ufo just flew over us
2: all right well let's start talking about your book so what's it called it's called predatory god Uh, and it's not finished we're still editing and we were talking about it earlier and about how hard it has been to just write this book as I have been changing Uh, because the woman that began the book you know she's gone of course there, are like we talked about this there are remnants of, of her but I'm a different person and writing to that woman and from that woman has proven challenging
1: Yeah, because the longer time goes, you you change and grow, right? right? And so when you write something down, it's like a bookmark into who that person is at that moment. I I went through that too because it took me like 10 years to write my book. And so when I did the the final draft, it was like a totally different book because I was 10 years removed from that original person. Right. And then, you know, you've been going through a lot in life, so every time... you you, you're affected by all these things yeah and so
2: yeah it changes your perspective and therefore it changes what you want to communicate uh there are like entire thoughts that i have changed my mind on you know um and i have a different perspective than i would three years ago and a different one than i would 10 years ago when i left the church you know so There is like all of this changing all the time and I have to be able to integrate all of these versions of myself and and take people through the journey with me, even though I lived the journey over years, yeah, you know, it's inviting them into this journey in a book and I don't know which parts are interesting and which parts are just like I was curled up in a ball crying for months, you know. Like day one, curled up in a ball. Day two, curled up in a ball. Day three, curled up in a. You know, it gets it gets yeah. tedious. <laughs>
1: yeah, curled up in a ball, not great for the page. Um, <laughs> <No.
2: it's>, uh, <laughs> and they, but so much of healing is curled up in a ball.
1: It's true. I guess you have to write about what brought you to that point, yeah, and then what, how you get past it. Oh, so we, we should probably say what's your book called and what's it about in general.
2: Yeah. Well yeah i said predatory Predatory god, God. and then i went on a rant about yeah predatory god it's about the ways in which theology christian specifically uh toxic theology has conditioned us all to accept a lot of abuse and to accept a society that doesn't work for most of us or any of us really doesn't work for any of us um and how underneath all of this is this theology that while many people don't call it theology anymore it's seeped into every single way in which the world functions especially the west right now and how it affects me personally or how it's affected me uh how it's affected us systemically and then how it can affect people regardless of how christian they are you know
1: yeah i mean it probably the the theology works for like white mega pastors very well i would imagine yeah absolutely not the rest of us
2: yeah but you know what still these ideas of punitive justice for instance uh you know, like people are calling for murder when it's the other person, when it's the other band that is, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, well, put him in jail forever. And like the death penalty. And it's like, oh, so we only have to humanize some people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't have to humanize, especially people that are the most marginalized amongst us. Yeah. Um, poor yeah. people of color, especially black people. Yeah non-americans, people from the global south, just absolutely invisible people, queer folks in all of those like intersections, disabled folks, fat folks. Um,
1: Like whoever can be marginalized and and stomped on to help other people go up.
2: Exactly. And so, yeah, we, we, you know, like we are perpetuating the same system, even outside of religion. Um, because it's all we've given ourselves permission. It's all that we have been given permission in general to dream yeah. about. And yeah. what you cannot imagine, you cannot create either. Yeah. And so we are this theology that keeps us in fear of punitive measures if we don't fit in. keeps us so in our fight-flight mode mm-hmm. that we don't even have time, desire, um, yeah, or bandwidth to be able to imagine a better world and enact it actually enacted. We only have time to survive these, and make sure that we are not being pulled down and we continue to stand on others so that we are not the bottom of the barrel. Oof. Um, and that's terrifying, you know?
1: Yeah, and and it makes me not miss church. Absolutely, <laughs> um, yeah. Because I felt like I was always trying to climb through that system. Uh-huh, As yeah. someone who was not seen as, like, the center of that culture. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have, I think... Our I mean, we knew we were never gonna be the center, right? but we wanted to get as close yeah.
2: as possible for safety. Yeah. For safety. Yeah.
1: For safety, and and even just for I don't know, status, you know, trying to like. Well, but what what does the, the status
2: give you? Um, the illusion of the safety. The illusion of safety. Right. And and. But what does that do to the people that can never get close to it? Right. You know.
1: Yeah. No, it's like when I was growing up, you know, my parents told me you can be whatever you want, and I remember thinking like, well, I can't be president.
2: Because there's <laughs> no such
1: thing as <laughs> me
2: too right. women for sure. Yeah. So, and, but
1: like non-white dudes, like yeah, we don't, we don't dream of being president because until Obama came, it was just like not a possibility. Right. And in the church, we were never going to be the head pastor. No,
2: we knew that. Yeah, for to sure. be an
1: associate pastor or a director yeah, yeah, yeah. of something. Right.
2: Right. But. But the cost of that was so high and the cost of being what people expect you to be in corporate america is just as high right it's just as high and we are all pretending that one is less problematic than the other but not really we are still participating in the same system that maintains hierarchies yeah um do you bring that that into
1: the book too comparing like corporate and capitalism to to the theology
2: yeah some of it yeah or you know marriage uh and the nuclear family Uh, so in the book about parents, in the section about parenting, I talk about that, about how the nuclear family and this idea that children that are raised in certain families with certain economic advantages, with certain specific things, are better than, you know, and not simply kids that have a lot more resource like a lot more resources yeah. at their advantage.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, and yet we see incredible, impressive children in all of the categories that you want to imagine. Right. Right. Um, which is more impressive—that without having all the resources at your disposal? If my kids had all the resources that a lot of these very, very privileged children have, they better be producing. Yeah. You know, yeah,
1: like got no excuse.
2: incredible art or incredible something.
1: Yeah, you would think. Uh,
2: but you know. You most remember
1: when Sotomayor became a Supreme Court justice, and she gave a talk that made all people mad because she's like, "I overcame more right. than the other people on this." court right because it, it was, was harder poor, for me yeah and so she said that gave her an advantage because she worked she knew how to work harder and, right. and beat the system to mm-hmm. get to where she was and it made my my students at AP were really mad they're like what do you mean by that you know she they, they saw it as like her insulting them but I was like no no think about it think of what she had to overcome with like her socioeconomic situation was that they weren't food safe they, mm-hmm. they had they didn't know where they're going to live sometimes and meanwhile the other guys are like wealthy going to all these private schools and you know and they worked hard too not, yeah. she's not saying they didn't work hard but she had to overcome more yeah
2: i've thought about that um in the other like way because i was watching a show and in the show an older woman is telling a younger woman like you think i've had it easy because i'm white uh, but i was in the business in a business that was male-dominated very male-dominated in the 60s and 70s Uh, and she goes yeah but you were white you could be there in the 60s and 70s but both are true they're both right you know both realities are true it was fucking hard for this white woman and also it was absolutely impossible for a lot of other women right um like both realities can exist and we can hold it's not about who had it worse it's just about we had different experiences and how can we hold both of those and then say nobody should go through either one of those experiences it shouldn't be this way right because then the the common denominator if you will across all of this is that there are some people that are the same people that have been having access to a lot of resources disproportionately to the rest of us and the world that they've created is really bad yeah we are not well we are absolutely not well so What are we gonna do about that, you know? And I'm not talking about tearing, like destroying. No, I'm talking about, we have to change the way that we see success. The way that we see who are the people that we are to emulate. The way that we see how are we gonna do business? How are we gonna do parenting? Mm -hmm. Because in all of those things, we are, how are we gonna do marriage? How are we gonna do romantic relationships? Mm -hmm. Because in all of those things, we are emulating systems of oppression because they feel safe. They give us the illusion of safety, but we are not safe, we're just compliant. But we're losing ourselves in that you know we're yeah. not really living we're just existing to maintain the status quo that's not good parenting that's not good partnership that's not good society yeah but it feels yeah. safe because that's what it's normal and it's being normalized. normalized
1: yeah. and it's what we really like we have to aspire to or absolutely at least to play our part in the, whatever our lane is
2: <laughs> yeah and success is defined that way and so long as success yeah. is defined that way people will continue to pursue it yeah instead of defining success in very, very different terms and saying, what does it look like to be successful in this community right now? You know, what does it look like to, to me to be successful right now and where I am in the context that I am is absolutely bettering access to healthcare. That would be being successful, absolutely bettering the educational system in this system, like in New York and New Jersey specifically, New Jersey, not so much, but New York, it's really problematic how bad it is considering the amount of money. Um, you know like th- those are tangible things offering more support for parents in general and for single parents in particular yeah. um, trying to bridge the gap for immigrants that where we are so lost for months and months and months and people don't realize how incredibly jarring it is to try to figure out an entire community society and survive capitalism here just like everybody else You know like offering all of those things makes the world better and then we become successful as a community I don't care about being successful individually because that means that I'm fucking over somebody else Success only exists in the terms of community because if I'm eating really well, but everybody around me is super hungry Are we really successful or I'm just greedy?
1: Yeah,
2: and heartless Yeah, you know because at the end of the day We'll all see each other in heaven and God is just and God gives everybody what it right? we justify it we justify it in our heads but we justify it inside the church and outside the church well we don't know the choices that they've made you know they shouldn't have been doing drugs like that's a choice and not a coping mechanism you know like just we don't meet each other with compassion but instead we meet each other so that we don't have to face how dehumanized we are ourselves because we cannot see the human on the floor as our sibling you know yeah yeah. And that yeah. defeats the purpose of actual theology. Theology is that. It's seeing the divine there in that person, in, yeah, in the everyone. world, yeah. in seeing divinity around us, amongst us, within us. Uh, but when we are only able to see it above us, yeah. we don't see or divinity at all.
1: Directly across.
2: Right. Like, And across is kind of like, yeah, but they are not like, you know, still the best of all of them. They just don't know it, I pretend that we are. Because <laughs> there is even hierarchies within that, like you're oh, always sure. competing yeah. with the person that was next to you, yeah. and that's not community. That's not. Yeah, damn. Right, because we all want to be the disciple that sits next to Jesus, the disciple that Jesus loved the most, right? I mean, deep down, we all wanna be the favorite, deep down, right? Yeah. Like everybody is competing to be the favorite. Like, I- even listening to Trump's narrative, is this like, oh no, everybody loves me, I'm amazing. Yeah. Like, he's so hungry for valida- for external validation. We're sitting right by Trump Trump's tower Trump's tower, it's over there, it's over I think, there. it's over yep. there. Uh, You know, so hungry for this external validation, and it leads us to do a lot of really stupid things. uh, Tolerate a lot of abuse, be in abusive relationships, think that we cannot do things alone. Yeah,
1: enable Um, abuse. Absolutely.
2: Mm -hmm. Enable abuse. Uh, Pretend we didn't see things that we did see. Right. Uh, And betray ourselves over and over and over again to exchange that betrayal for belonging and losing ourselves in that never knowing what we actually wanted and what our life would have looked like if we pursued it yeah you know because every choice is a choice it takes us one path or the other yeah and we keep losing the path of our intuition to pursue the path of our comfort for what right right
1: yeah yeah there's a part of my book that is related to that so i gotta remember that i hope you do your own audiobook because (laughs)
2: listening
1: to you like, if I, if I had to listen to this book on audio to someone that wasn't as passionate, it's not going to be the same experience. So right. If they gave you the option, you should record <laughs> okay. your own audio book. Okay. I want to hear Joe. Uh,
2: yeah. Raging. Rage. Yes.
1: If you've heard Joe be interviewed on other podcasts or speak at events like Wild Goose, uh, she can come across as this fearless, supremely confident badass. And, and she should because she is a badass. <laughs> but, and she's one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And there are moments in this conversation where you see that Joe fully present But what I was so moved by in this conversation was Joe's willingness to talk about her struggles, her insecurities, which she'll get into more of at at, at the end, and, and her fears. Regardless of how you respond to Joe's content, her online persona, she is a deeply empathetic, compassionate, and vulnerable human being. And however people respond to her tweets and posts, I'm talking about on on all the sides, I find it important to give people like Joe the benefit of the doubt. We're all broken in some ways in our lives after fundamentalist Christian faith. We need to borrow a Christian concept, grace, with each other. Not because Jesus, I mean, not necessarily, but we need to bridge our gaps Patch our differences, reconcile our feelings and our hearts, because our survival as people out of faith, as fighters against bigotry, and as caregivers of traumatized people depends on it. We need each other, and we need Joe Lumen to be okay, giving voice to both her story and the evils of fundamentalist white nationalist Christianity.
0: then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season and she endures perhaps being smacked one night and then she seeks help from the church. There is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus (laughs) and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. There's nothing holy about writing discrimination into the law and I am tired of communities of faith being weaponized because the only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination. I'm tired of it.
1: Hi, I'm Nate, producer and co-host on the Full Mutuality Podcast. Let's talk about inequality. It's everywhere. Whether it's rooted in race, gender, ability, or sexuality, there's bound to be an imbalance in power, influence, representation, and access. On our show, we want to explore areas of religion, culture, and society where justice is needed in order to bring about true mutuality. I hope you'll join us for some enlightening, fun, and at times uncomfortable conversations as we envision a world where everyone can live free from systems and structures that keep us from being truly equal. You can find us on your favorite podcast app or visit our website, fullmutuality.com to find a list of all the platforms we're available on. Subscribe today and we'll see you on the Full Mutuality Podcast.
0: Hey everyone, I'm Jessica from the Leaving the Village Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Kathleen, Nate, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions they came from, please feel free to hop onto the server If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episode of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking on the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking on the link in the top banner. See you there.
2: Okay, but tell me about the book, your book.
1: Okay, so my book is called Asian American yeah. Apostate. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's about my time teaching at Azusa Pacific University. So I was an English professor. At the end of my faith, I was, tr- I was trying to still be Christian at, this is like 1997 or 8 and I was barely hanging on and I thought oh I'll teach here and it'll help me regain my footing in, mm-hmm. in faith and really just kind of kick because all the things I didn't like about church culture white nationalist Christian white culture right was absolutely baked into the culture in higher ed so right. nothing was different um, and so, as I sort of deconstructed, I, I used to say, deconverted, um, I found myself, as an Asian American, I found my queer students who, who came out to me because they knew that I didn't hate them like the, all the other professors, most of the other professors. And um, so to your earlier point, I realized that if my students who are queer are suffering and I don't step up and address it and, and reach out and help them, right. then I'm a terrible person because yeah to, to, to your earlier point you know if they're suffering and i'm okay and right. i just pretend like i don't see it It doesn't or, affect
2: me so whatever yeah
1: i'm just gonna maintain the status quo and mm-hmm. keep my job
2: mm-hmm.
1: was what i was thinking at first and then so i was at first tiptoeing into it i thought i you know this is the career i want i thought it was a good school i could be here for a long time and i would let people know in the class well i'm you know i don't think it's sin to be gay and here's the theological yeah. stuff but then that wasn't enough, and so these kids started an underground, completely illegal LGBTQ club. Yeah, And they asked me if I would be the, the, the teacher. Yeah, the uh, advisor. The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like they do in the regular orgs. Right. And I had to think about it, because mm-hmm. this was a big choice, because if I did this, th- school was going to find out. They had spies right. everywhere. But, but was I gonna just save my ass and not join officially mm-hmm. and go to all the events and the meetings, or was I gonna, you know? And luckily, you know, I my wife had a good job. If I got fired, it wouldn't have been in the end of the world, but it would have it would hurt. But you know, yeah. But I had to decide: Do I want to throw potentially throw away this career to make th- this move? And I eventually did. And so I was like, I'm gonna throw my name in, and they're mm-hmm. gonna claim me as the person that's supporting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. It was so good. I don't regret it for a second because it did end up leading to me being fired.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I was put on several lists. The the, the the board of trustees had meetings about me. They visited my class to come check up on me. Um, I had meetings with my boss, the department chair. Um, but by the time I knew the end was near, I was like, "Fuck it! I'm gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna do this." And right. I, I brought queer friends in to talk to the Asian club. Mm-hmm scared the crap out of those poor conservative kids uh, and got me into trouble and but you know that we, we've joked before about good trouble that we can get into yeah. like well it was worth it it was right it was worth it and so and then the book ends on a happier note I, I, I really I don't know if I would have ever felt so comfortable as a, an Asian American man if I didn't deconstruct if I mm-hmm. didn't, Completely extricate myself from white nationalist evangelical Christianity, and that really has really opened up worlds for me. Yeah, I didn't need that crappy job, I guess. Right. <laughs> and I need, but I needed my people that I have in my life now.
2: You know, mm. I wouldn't have
1: met you. I wouldn't have met right. all the people that we love and know in our in our deconstruction world, mostly on Twitter. This was great. We're in we're in the same space, right? Right. This is, and we're connecting, and um, that's a beautiful thing. And, and and t- untethered from all that stuff the world opens up now it's right. to your point it's a problematic world right and and, and like it, it's like out of the frying pan into the fire because but but, <laughs> yeah. there, but uh, well maybe that's not a good analogy because there's you have
2: a little bit more uh freedom yeah exactly you know at least a lot and you're, more freedom you're and able to yes and you're able to explore your authenticity a lot more yeah uh but you, quickly realize not as much as you'd like. I mean, without safety nets, you know? Like, especially if you are in marginalized identities and the more marginalized identities that you have and the less amount of safety that you have access to, the more cautious you have to be in exploring the most authentic version of yourself, unfortunately.
1: Well, yeah, the key in my book is finding your people. Right, exactly. To reflect off of and to to vibe with. And, And they support you and you support them. Um, but it's not like finding, like, a church, that kind of high-control people. No. It's people who you can
2: all thrive with right.
1: together in your own
2: way. How would you... What would you say is, like, the the test for you? Like, the... Mm. When somebody does something or says something that you're like, okay, you can... You're my people.
0: Oh.
1: I don't know. It's kind of basic. It's just, like, a, a, a view of... We we want everyone to thrive, you know. Like, we're uh, maybe not Trump, but <laughs> gender- <laughs> <laughs> like, like, okay. But let's not do individuals, but people. Like, I, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I I want white men to
1: thrive just as much as you, yeah, or, you or I. I, I want I everybody
2: I to be healthy and well, thing,
1: right? I, I, I don't want there to be so many like advantages to some and disadvantages yeah. to others. So for me, it's like a worldview of just. Um, our friends Nate and Gail have a podcast called Full Mutuality and so like a world that is truly mutual, we're right. all on equal footing, and but that allows us, you know, some some are going to be better than others at some things. And right. So I'm not saying we're all exactly the same cookie cutter people, but we're all we're able to thrive in our unique.
2: And all sure. of us have access to all of our basic needs. Exactly. They are met. Nobody's worrying whether they are going to be able to eat tomorrow yeah, right. or pay rent next yeah. month. Or like, have a
1: health scare. Oh,
2: exactly, that is, is going around. to Exactly. But yeah. instead, our life is being lived without those instants like, you know, like, yeah, it's possible. It you off you
1: off. And
2: absolutely. And so instead, I want a world where everybody, but that's, that to me, that is one thing where, like, if they just refuse to dehumanize, and I get in trouble for these because I just I refuse to humanize anybody, including Trump. Like that's why I tell you, you can hear the trauma of wanting his validation yeah. there underneath. That doesn't mean he's healthy. It doesn't mean he should be president for that. Like no, it doesn't mean there should be no consequences like to the a amount of. Year old yes, no, it's to terrible. But that doesn't mean I want him dead or I right. want him harmed. You know, I want him to heal. I want him to do better. I want him. I don't think he wants to or desires to. So I think we either. no right. No, if, he if won't. he had the chance. But I think that with people like that, we set boundaries, yeah. but it's not dehumanizing boundaries. That's the part that is hard for me, the dehumanizing. You know, like we don't have to dehumanize anybody, yeah. but we can absolutely set boundaries and say you yeah. you clearly have shown that you do not have the capacity to be in community with all of the <laughs> people of, of the color yeah. and all of the women, women. of the world yeah. and all of the non-rich people. Of the, so basically, nobody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, like just saying oh, there are boundaries that we can set. Yeah. Um, that's one thing for me, but I think that the other one is when people are able when they recognize quickly that they don't know it all. Yeah. Like people that are so interested in learning. Yeah. Um, I, that is very important to me. Because we were taught to pretend to be certain about everything when we were
1: Christians. Right. Oh, I got a verse for that, or I got, right, a, right, right. I got a saying, or a C.S. Lewis quote, you know, like right. to, to, to answer everything. Easy answers, yes. oh, yeah. Oh, this is so basic,
2: and
1: uh, <laughs> it's so clear, you know? Yeah. and and.
2: What's your purpose in life? I'm yeah, a son, son of God.
1: You know? Yeah, I'm drawn to people who are okay with mystery
2: and yeah. not
1: being
2: absolutely sure, so... Yeah. yeah, me too. It's hard for me when people are sure on, on either side of any... I don't care. Yeah. Um, but they are like, this is just how it's everywhere, yeah. always, at all times. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. Uh...
0: Yeah.
2: No. I think that we can just have a little bit of an open mind and recognize that... The world is just a lot more complex than black and whites, you know. Um, and doesn't mean that there are no things that are absolutely cruel, evil, and despicable. Of course, that right. they are. Uh, but they are never—they never happen in a vacuum, right. and that matters, you know. I think that that matters. Recognizing that. Well, why are people responding that way to this? Like, why is that the response? And you will always find that the response is understandable, if not. It's, it's, it's not valid, it's not okay, but it's understandable.
1: Yeah, well, the response is not okay. But we, we can sort of look into it and say, oh, I see how you... Like, like a Trump, and he had a really shitty dad. <laughs> he, yeah. He, like, I or see even how
2: even, why became. did... Because I think about these. like, why do people vote for this man?
1: Well, who, yeah, you
2: know, true. like, why? And then I recognize how they've been indoctrinated in many ways by, obviously, churches and the places that we come from. Yeah. Uh, there is, like, some serious indoctrination and fear and all of the, yeah. In cases. Yes, and Christian supremacy and yeah. all of it. Yeah. But there is also fear. Like, mm. these people are genuinely, genuinely yeah. terrified.
1: Yeah. The Obama years shook them, you know. Mm-hmm. While we were, like, celebrating minor minor victories, like,
2: bare minimum
1: things that we thought were progress. Right. T- turned out, like, half of America was, like
2: devastated <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that the, the world was going yeah, to hell coming
1: through Revelation to find out you know, what the next steps toward the, the Armageddon was so.
2: yeah. I mean and I I was one of those people when I was a young like teenager yeah. in my 16 17 years oh, okay. I remember like talking about how the end of the world is here mm-hmm. how all of these things right. you know and this was in Colombia in a lot of I mean I had a relationship with white evangelicalism but I was in Colombia where Christi- Catholicism is more um, it's more cultural yeah, right. and yet like a lot of talk of the end times a lot of talk of yeah. a lot obsessively and a lot of movies too yeah well and the funny thing is and we'll get back to your
1: book in a second but like all the end times stuff isn't even in the Bible it's, no. it's all invented in, like the 20th century <laughs>
2: yeah no. um, Yeah. yeah it's, it's at most 150 years old yeah yeah
1: so um, what else do you want to talk about in your book is it,
2: is no it, I, yeah. I mean what we talked about yes yeah this, how it's hard
1: it's hard to
2: write it is so hard to write it's really really hard and I've heard that so many times by so many people uh, and I believe them like I, I believe them but you don't know what that means it's like when they tell you that pregnancy and like delivering a baby's hard. Yeah. you don't understand what that means I mean you believe it yeah. like absolutely it's hard okay. But you don't know what that means until you have to do it. And so, yeah, it's been really hard. It's like required a lot of little deaths and changes and for me to explore a lot of things inside of me, uh, for a lot of insecurities to surface inside of me and for me to have to address those insecurities and not just kind of, spiritually bypass them like where you're just like no, I'm a conqueror uh, yeah. but instead be like no, I feel like I am a fucking piece of shit right now and I, I need to address that I need yeah. to address
1: Well, it's nothing like the creative process to bring out all your vulnerabilities <laughs> yes and spots and yeah, yeah. And, so.
2: and you can you can choose to do either right? you can choose to like spiritually bypass it or toxic positivity like mm. sprinkle it with all the like no i got these. I'm, I'm a girl boss or whatever or you can choose to just sit down and say why is this happening like why am i allowing myself to go down these like thoughts that are so negative and so harmful where are they coming from why am i partnering with them still I thought I had addressed these. I thought I had, like I really did, I thought yeah. I had addressed a lot of my self-esteem issues when I first started leaving the church because my self-esteem was so low after being inside of a white space and being the token. Um, and I worked so hard and just seeing it through the book resurface and saying where is this coming from and what parts of me... Uh, is this book kind of activating that i not, you know
1: because the book kind of bringing you back to some of those spaces I right just imagine so yeah it's like a recon, connecting with that
2: yeah person. yeah but i have to let her exist and also be the other person the other version of me i was talking to you about how talking to these two versions of me and there is this teenager inside of me that feels really insecure uh, that has always wanted to be a writer, but is sure that she's not good enough, but is sure that she can't be good enough, but maybe, but not really, but it's maybe. And like she goes through these like, and also this adult that is like, I have a fucking book deal, like I have it, I need to just write the book. Major publisher. Yes, yeah, and I have to write the book, and I know it's in me, I just don't know how yeah. to get it out of me, uh, in the ways that I want it to, be. because it's out, I have the manuscript, but it's yeah. not. Me yet. yet. My well, voice we, is not there. The way
1: English teachers may always say the editing is when the writing begins.
2: It's, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, I have, but, but I, the process of writing the kind of book that I want to write, which is an authentic book, yeah. that comes from really, with this, like, this wisdom within me, and it's not just regurgitated, yeah. you know, platitudes. Um, this is good. I, I need I to think, heal. Like, I need to address this, or not yeah. heal, but at least address it. Right. Well, yeah, confront. Uh, right. Like, I, I need to stop pretending. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's it's there. It is there. This, like, voice that tells me that I'm not good enough. This voice that tells me that, you know, if only I were more, if only I, like, now yeah. I don't even have a God to pray to and I don't know what to write. I've thought about that, you know, where I'm like, I don't even have a God to pray to. Because I'm not an atheist, but also I don't pray like that, because it doesn't make sense to me anymore. All right, the whole supplication. Yeah, it's yeah, 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 I don't prayer. believe in that. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, I, but I don't have that. And that, le- that gave you, a sh- sure, I'll bite. I'll date. i never say that word. Um, yeah. Shallow, but it gives you a sense of relief, that you did something about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah, you reached out to your- <laughs> to personal DNA. Yeah. yeah, the guy that, like downloads the wisdom yeah. uh, But I don't have that And I do There is this wisdom within me that I can awaken yeah. uh, But when you feel so disconnected from it Because this younger version of yourself Is being activated in all the ways Then It's hard You know?
1: I do Yeah, yeah Writing can, Makes you confront a lot of things If you're writing personal Right. So, yeah, it can be rough. Yeah. I think people are, who watch us are going to be surprised to hear you say you're wrestling this way because I think we all see you as like, I mean, you're Joe Boone, you're a badass you know, conqueror and, and, and leader in our community, so I appreciate you, you know, telling the vulnerable parts of the process.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I don't think it serves anybody. To say like I just sat down and flew, Yeah, like the muse and and, visited
1: and, it just and listen that out.
2: may happen to some people, but yeah. the more English is not even my first language. Like overcoming that alone in my brain has been hard. You know, like why are you writing a book? You don't even speak English well. Like English is not you even speak your first English language. Perfectly, so but
1: you know what I mean? Yeah, I do because. Well, yeah, you, your, your primary
2: language is the language
1: that you, most of your thoughts are in, usually.
2: And also, there is this idea that we are bad at English. Like, we are bad at uh, anything, you know what I mean? Like, if you have an accent from certain places, though. Right. Um, then, obviously, English cannot be something that you, you know? Yeah. Or AAVE. That's the same it's an even worse dynamic yeah, yeah. where it's like well then you cannot be an educated person that is right. saying something worth listening to and then I have to think like well those people I don't even want them to read my book yeah, anyways not fire <laughs> no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. And also, who cares? Like,
1: who cares? And and here's the great thing about books. There's no accent.
2: Right. <laughs> yes, they are not hearing my I, I hear it all the time. Right.
1: No, in my book I literally have this gag that goes throughout the book where like you're not reading this for the reason. Nothing wrong with it. Either. Right, but like, just so you know, I don't have an accent. So <laughs> I re- I that, read that. I yeah. remember reading so that. Just and that, throughout the book, I check in. You're still not hearing an
2: accent. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's important to say that. You know, like it's hard. It's the same as women that have a baby and they are like six weeks later and I lost all the weight. she was easy, no big deal. Is that possible for some women? Absolutely. Yeah. But most of us, that's not how we went. Are
1: we saying that to you know, for, right for whose approval, are yeah, we like
2: who, who, exactly to, to who, who are we trying to appeal to here? Yeah. When we could just say, like, it's been really hard, and I don't feel like I belong in my body anymore, and it took me months and months and months to even feel like I could, I knew who the fuck was this, you know. And I did it four times, and every time you have these different, so yeah, it's the same. I think that the we romanticize a lot of art. And we romanticize the process of doing it, and we romanticize yeah. the becoming it. Yeah. Oh, and Hollywood's
1: worst. Yes. So whenever they show writers, they're always oh they God. have this glassy look and they're just like inspired, as like Tiger, yes. right? And really, it's just a lot of <laughs>
2: Yes, yes, like drinking coffee. Yeah, I don't know. It's solitary. Deleting it's, it's deleting. Not it's Writing again, deleting more. Yeah. we were well, talking
1: about earlier. We need we need quiet space to right. separate from all the problems of the regular life.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and you need to feel safe. You need a level of safety, which I think has also made it hard for me to ride it, because uh, it hasn't been super safe for me. You know, like not having a stable housing for a year—it uh, like you don't feel fully safe. In spite of where where I was, was safe-ish, but still, it wasn't, and that really affects your your psyche. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of parameters that go into, like, the successful writing session. Yeah. Safety is definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you doing this with me and hanging out in New York. Yes. Go and venture back into the city and, and yeah. just take it down. Yes. We're <laughs> fierce. We're not old. We're
2: oh, right. I are mean, right. Camp well, hang. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Bye.
1: So, did we take the city by storm on a Saturday night at 10.30 p.m.? No, we did not. We got Joe back on the train to her home and I went back to my hotel because I had a big day the next day. I was about to start partying with Jessica Goforth and Janice Legata at Gail and Nate's wedding. I'm sure they'll talk about that, the wedding, on Full full Mutuality when they get back from their honeymoon. But as I walked back through downtown, midtown, midtown, that was was 52nd. Anyway, uh, I reflected on a few things. The deconstruction world is fed by evangelical Christianity, which is predominantly white. So naturally, the deconstruction world is almost exclusively white. When it comes to like podcasts and writers and TikTok influencers, I realized just how rare it was to have uh, an Asian American and a Hispanic American in deep conversation about life and religion and deconstruction. It's very rare. And I also realize neither Joe nor I miss being in church. Um, we might miss certain people or certain traditions, but by and large, we don't miss church. I've noticed that most white people, people that I know in this community do miss it greatly. Um, it, it was their space, I realize, and I understand why they miss it, but that wasn't our experience. People like Joe, uh, myself, Nate Nacal, Janice Legata, Tori Williams Douglas, Dr. Daniel White-Hodge, and Brad Onishi, we tried to live and thrive in white Christian spaces. So we don't miss it the way white people do. We don't miss struggling to fit in or trying to tamp down our otherness. We don't miss feeling marginalized and having to justify our presence by being more and better than people around us. It was exhausting. And even when we left, that feeling of inferiority still haunts us. Sure, we learn to overcome it and force it back to the back of our memories, but it's always there. I can't help but think if Jo were a white man writing a book, which I know many who have, she wouldn't face the same soul-crushing doubts that she is just right now, just editing. I mean, certainly there are plenty of soul-crushing doubts that any writer faces when writing a book. But... Those of us from the margins of Christianity, yeah, we have our own special brand of self doubt that white people, thankfully, will never know. And that, to me, is why I think Joe Lumen is so important to us. You can disagree with things she says, you can disagree with things I say, or any of us say, it's fine. Let's talk. But I hope you value our perspectives. I hope you really listen to our stories. I hope you buy our books and bring us out to speak. There are lots of amazing voices in the deconstruction world, but there aren't many of us BIPOC folks in it. Fortunately for you, a chapel probation listener, yeah, you're listening to me. So thanks to Joe Lumen for coming and doing time on Chapel Probation, Central Park version. Look for her book, Predatory God, due out next year. I mean, I think from what she's told me about it, it's going to be an amazing contribution to this ongoing conversation about life, Christian hegemony and human thriving for everyone. So, from a secluded beach in Puerto Vallarta, I'm signing off saying we'll see you next week with another episode of Chapel Probation. Have a great week.